Thanks, band. That's a really great song. That's one of my, one of my favorites, actually. Um, welcome again to Hiawatha Church. My name is Spencer. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you all had a really great feast with uh, your family, loved ones, and friends. And our, uh, yeah, we're really glad you're here this morning. Uh, obviously, part of Thanksgiving, we thank God for all the blessings that he has given us. We reflect on uh, who he is and what he's done for us. And uh, one of the big things that I was reflecting on this past Thanksgiving, as I was thanking God, um, is this church. Uh, we're a little history about us. We're about seven, seven and a half years old. And uh, just I was reflecting on what God has done in this church and through this church, um, grown us both uh, in maturity as well in number, and uh, just seeing really great influence in our neighborhood, in our, uh, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our cities, in our community group, uh, groups and beyond. And so uh, really thankful for what God has done in and through us here at Hiawatha Church. So um, we're thankful for you. Know that Chris and myself and, and the elders are very thankful for, for us um, as a church and, and for, for you. All right, so if, if you are brand new today to Hiawatha Church, we're in a series in the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples, and he wrote about the life, death, uh, resurrection, teachings, miracles of Jesus. And right now we're in a part in Matthew. Matthew is 28 uh, chapters long, and we're in the middle of it right now. We're in a part, uh, a mini-series that we're calling Demonstrating and Declaring the Gospel of the Kingdom. And so all throughout Matthew, we've been seeing Jesus and his disciples both declaring through, through teaching and through preaching about the gospel of the kingdom, as well as them demonstrating through, through healings and through miraculous uh, works that the kingdom of God is at hand, that it's just about here. That it, it started when Jesus came into this world, and it'll um, reach, uh, reach its climax at the death and resurrection of Jesus, and ultimately when he comes back. And so today we're going to read a passage that has a number of miracles in it, and again we're going to see Jesus do both of these, demonstrate that the kingdom of heaven is near. We're going to see some, some defeat of uh, some of our enemies in this passage, as well as Jesus is going to declare uh, about the gospel of the kingdom, about his mission, what he came here to do. So three, through these miracles, today we're going to see three things. We're going to see Jesus demonstrate uh, his divinity. We're going to see Jesus demonstrate his character. And most importantly, we're going to see Jesus show us uh, what his mission was. What was his purpose? Why did he come here on earth? So this morning we're in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. This uh, passage and miracle is commonly referred to as the, the feeding of 5,000. And if you look in your pew Bible, it's probably the heading. But I thought uh, for a more contemporary and a more accurate uh, description, I was going to title today's sermon, The Lunchable That Fed Thousands. And so even though it's called... Uh, Usually, the feeding of 5,000. Um, and our, we'll, we'll see at the end of this passage that it said that Jesus fed 5,000 men as well as, as women and children. So that's the way that they counted. So if we just assume that there was also just as many women as well as one or two or three children per couple, this is a miracle of Jesus feeding well over 5,000, maybe more like 15, 20, 25,000. So you can read along as we read our passage today. It'll be up here on the screen, as well as in your worship folders or in the pew Bibles in front of you. Again, we're in Matthew 14. And this miracle, besides, besides the death and resurrection of Jesus, this is the only miracle that is in all four of the gospel accounts, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
So let's read today from uh, Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. Then they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us through your word. And that through our passage this morning, through these miracles, we see that you, Jesus, are God. We see your character, your generosity, and your love for people and for us. And we, we see what your mission is, why, why you condescended yourself, why you left your throne in heaven, why you came here to be with us, to save us. So Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Speak to our hearts, convict us of, of sin, encourage us in the gospel. Pray that you be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what do we see? What do we observe in these, in these miracles this morning? So again, we're going to call this the feeding of thousands instead of the 5,000, as well as the healings that Jesus did right before that. And so through his healings and through the feeding of the 5,000, or the feeding of the 1,000, Jesus shows us three things, like I said earlier. He shows us his divinity. He shows us that he is God, that he has the same power as God, that he is doing things that are characteristic only of God the Father, of being a provider and, and giving provision and sustenance. We also see Jesus' character. We see that he is a God who is gracious and kind, who has great compassion and great generosity. And we also see his purpose and his mission. And today, it's just foreshadowed in this, in this passage. We're going to look at what comes just a few verses later, and, and Jesus clarifies it a little bit. Tim Keller is a, a pastor from New York City, and he writes about miracles. He says, Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. So as we're looking at these miracles today, it reminds our hearts that, that a world is coming where, where our sin and where healing, physical healing, where our diseases and ailments and pain will go away, where we will be ultimately satisfied. And we can long for that and wait for that. All right, so the first thing that Jesus showed us in these miracles is he shows us his divinity. He shows us his supernatural power over nature. First of all, by healing the sick. He's able to heal people of their affirmities, their diseases, of their sickness, of their pain. Doing something that only God could do or only someone directly sent from God could do. Overcoming sickness and pain and disease. And he also showed his, his supernatural power through feeding 20,000 plus people with just a little boy's lunch. 
In one of the other gospel accounts, it says that a little boy came up to the disciples and gave his lunch. And that is what Jesus used to feed 20,000 plus people. And it's really easy for us to read passages like this, especially if they're familiar to us. It's a very familiar passage to, to many of us and even to our culture. It's very easy for us to read over this and to not quite get how amazing this miracle is. And obviously, because we're not there, we're not going to really understand exactly uh, the, the magnificence of this miracle. But just look around right now. In, in this room, there's about 100 people, maybe a little more, a little less. So take, take this sanctuary... In your mind's eye, now multiply it by 200. So take all these people right here, stack them up or spread them out, 200 of these sanctuaries, and Jesus fed all those people with just a little boy's lunch. With five, five little biscuits and two fish. The amount of food that a mom would give to her son when sending him off to school. Pretty amazing. So Jesus shows us his divinity through his supernatural powers, as well as doing things that are characteristic of God, of being a provider, a giver of sustenance, of bread, which ultimately gives people life. So thousands of years prior to this, to our story today, God provided bread for his people when they're in the wilderness. So God's people, the nation of Israel, thousands and thousands of years before this, they were slaves in Egypt, and so they were under Pharaoh's oppression and captivity. And Moses was chosen by God to come rescue his people. And so God sent Moses to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. And Pharaoh had compassion on the people. And through, through I'm sorry, Moses had compassion on the people. And through Moses, Jesus brought, or, or God brought the salvation of the people of Israel. And so through Moses, he led uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, and then as Israel's enemy, Egypt, was chasing them down, God closed up the sea over Egypt, destroying God's people's enemy. And then just on the hindsight of that, right, right after God doing all these miraculous things, after saving his people in incredible ways, the people of Israel are walking, walking to this land that God has promised them, to this amazing land that he will give them and on their way to this promised land, they're complaining, and they're grumbling, and they're saying, even after seeing all this great stuff, what God just did, just days prior, we wish we were back in Egypt. Because at least in Egypt, we had food. So they're grumbling and complaining. And God, through Moses, chooses to give them food. He sends them manna, a type of bread that, that, that's called manna. And they were able daily to go out and to pick up all this manna as much as they needed until they were satisfied. This is uh, coming from Exodus, and we're going to read a few verses from there. Exodus 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Moses said to them, to the people of Israel, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. And so Jesus' miracle today echoes what God did for his people thousands of years prior. So the people that were receiving all this food from Jesus would have, would have been remembering what, what God did through Moses, about how God provided supernaturally for his people in the past. So Jesus, he, he is not just another great hero of the faith, not just another uh, great person to look up to. 
but the Bible talks about him being even greater than Moses, and we're going to see that. So let's quick look at a list of, of similarities between what, what Moses did through the Exodus and through feeding the people of Israel and then Jesus in our, in our passage today. So we see that Moses did his miracle of feeding the people through manna by the power of God in the wilderness and Jesus doing similar thing in a desolate place, similar to the wilderness. We see both Moses and Jesus having compassion on the people. We see both Moses and Jesus, they're both providing food miraculously in a supernatural way, showing the power of God. And we see that both Moses and Jesus are giving people so much food that they're, that they're able to eat and be satisfied, to be fully satisfied. The author of Hebrews, another book in the New Testament that was written after Jesus, looks back at Jesus' life and his miracles and sees that Jesus is not only a hero of the faith, but he's also an even greater Moses. He writes in chapter 3, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful to God, or faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So now let's add even a few more comparisons and see how Jesus or see how Moses' work, what he did, his salvation, points ahead to an even greater salvation. It's foreshadowing what Jesus is going to do. So we see that through the Exodus, Moses saved God's people from slavery and oppression, from a physical dictator, from a physical nation from Egypt. And we see that Jesus, through the gospel, through his death and resurrection on the cross, saves uh, people from spiritual slavery and spiritual oppression. Moses defeated Egypt, Israel's great enemy back then, but Jesus defeats sin and death and Satan, our greatest enemy. So through these miracles, we see that Jesus is divine. We see that Jesus is God. Also through these miracles, we're going to see a second thing. We're going to see Jesus' character. So, so some of you might be thinking or have thought in your life, I, I wonder who God is. I wonder what kind of a God he is, what kind of a person he is. And so if we want to know who God is or what he's like, what we need to do is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and his character. In Colossians, we read, he, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. So if we're wondering, what, what does this invisible God, uh, what is he like? Who is he? What are his characteristics? What kind of a person he is? We just have to look to, to Jesus and what he did, especially what he did on the cross. For in him, for in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So again, we see that Jesus was fully God. And so if we look to him, we can see the character of who God, God the Father is. And so through these miracles, Jesus shows us his character. He demonstrates his great compassion and his generosity and his kindness and his love. Verse 14, we read, When he went to shore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Verse 16, But Jesus said, They need not go away. And so even after Jesus giving them great miracles and great healings, he didn't owe them anything. He could send them off to the villages to buy their own food, and he would have been totally in the right. But because of his great compassion and love for these people, he told them, They don't need to go away. They can stay here with me. They don't need to go away and provide for themselves, but they can just stay here in my presence, and I'll take care of them. 
and verse 20, and they all ate and were satisfied. So we gave an abundance of food, an abundance of sustenance to the point where they were satisfied. We get even more insight about why Jesus had compassion on these people when we look at another one of the gospel writers. In Mark, he writes, when, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So just like sheep without a shepherd are lost and they're without provision, without protection, that's how Jesus saw this crowd. And later in the New Testament, Jesus actually calls himself the great shepherd. The great shepherd who will protect and provide for and love and rescue his flock. Kind of echoes the words in, in the song that Peter and the band just played. Our shepherd, good and true, is he who has at last his Israel freed. I'm going to see that in just a second. And a quick warning before, before we move on to the third thing that Jesus shows us in these miracles. So for, for those of you who thought you were going to get a whole sermon without me putting up a picture of uh, my son Charlie, that's for you. So before we move on to number three, a big warning that we need to take, myself included, is to make sure that we don't love the wrapping paper more than the gift. And so here's a picture of my son loving that wrapping paper, having such a great time with the toy that was inside that wrapping paper sitting right behind him. And so our temptation often can be to look at the wrapping paper at the expense of, of, of valuing the gift. So just as the wrapping paper tells you there's something great coming, there's something of great value, of great worth inside this wrapping paper, the same thing with Jesus' miracles today. So let's not value his physical healings and his physical provision of food. Let's not value that more than what they point to. Just like we wouldn't value wrapping paper more than the, the gift, the present inside that the wrapping paper is pointing to. So Jesus did come to, to physically heal people and to physically provide food for people, but it's pointing to something. So let's make sure, it's a great warning for us always to make sure that we're not valuing and loving the shiny, pretty wrapping paper more than the gift that it's pointing to. So just like wrapping paper points to this greater gift inside of it, Jesus' miracles and his teachings very often are pointing towards the greater gift of what he did on the cross on our behalf, salvation. And so don't be like Charlie, who's loving the wrapping paper more than the gift. And to be fair to him, this, these pictures actually took like half an hour to take because he's a very smart boy and he was playing with the toy. He liked the toy a lot better than the wrapping paper, but in order to stage this picture, we uh, took a lot of, it, it, it took a lot of time. So when I say don't be like Charlie, I mean don't be like that. Anyway. All right, so we see that, that Jesus, through these miracles, shows us that he is divine, that he is God, shows us his character, what kind of a God he is. And third, and most importantly, the miracles show us Jesus' purpose, his mission. Why did he come to the earth? In Philippians 2, it talks about Jesus condescending himself, becoming the form of man, leaving his throne in heaven, coming to earth and becoming a servant. So why did he do this? So Jesus' compassion and his supernatural provision, they point ahead towards his mission. They point ahead to why he came here. 
to give himself as spiritual food that will give eternal life and eternal satisfaction. Jesus didn't come to just physically heal people and to just physically give people food. So let's think about Thanksgiving. Hopefully most of us, probably most of us, just a few days ago, ate lots and lots of food. If your, if your plate was like mine, it was uh, stuffed. I had food on top of other food so I could have more on my plate. I used every square inch, going all the way to the edge. Lot, ate lots and lots of food, had a great feast, and I was very satisfied. But think about how long does that satisfaction last? How long did it take for you to find room to go back and get dessert? Or how long did it take you until you went, opened up the fridge, filled up a new plate, and put it in the microwave and got seconds? Probably not very long. Or maybe very long, but even if you were full all the way until the next day, you eventually became hungry again. So Jesus didn't just come to physically feed people once or to just heal people once. Because these people in our story today, they get hungry again. They actually get hungry really soon again. That's, that physical satisfaction didn't last forever. It actually didn't last too long. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. The story uh, continues with, with some great insight by Jesus, as well as, as well as even physical healings. So even these people that Jesus physically healed, the people who had pain and it was gone, the people who had diseases and it was gone, the sick who were then healed, they eventually got sick again and died. And so even though those things are great, those things are the wrapping paper. Those things point ahead to why Jesus came. So just like the people in the story, we ate until we were satisfied, but it didn't last that long. In our story, the people who got physically fed and physically healed were still hungry later, still ended up dying. So rather than just, rather than only a physical healing and physical food, Jesus came to give himself true spiritual food, true spiritual healing that will, that will be eternal, that will satisfy you eternally. So Jesus' healing and his miracles not even just the one we read today, but all of them are just temporal, pointing ahead to his great healing, his great miracle that he would do on the cross. So Jesus' purpose was not just to physically heal people, not just to feed the poor, not just to show what physical compassion looks like. That's part of it for sure, and it sets the stage. It's the wrapping paper. It excites people. It, sh- it is a gift, but it shows them of the even greater present that's coming. There's an even better healing, an even better food So in the book of John, that also has uh, this same miracle in it. Just a few verses later, just a few verses after all these miracles happen, Jesus clarifies exactly what his mission is. He clarifies exactly what his purpose is and why he came. In John 6, he says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. John 6 is a fantastic passage. I really encourage you to to study it if you have more time. We're just going to look at a a few parts of John 6 that actually directly apply to our passage today. But it is a fantastic passage. Really great stuff where Jesus talks about what he's going to do on the cross, the importance of that. It is is really great. So I'd encourage you to check that out um, um, later if you have time. But we're going to look at uh, uh, parts in John 6 that exactly 
look back to, to our miracles in our passage today. And it's very interesting. Right before Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's, remember, it's just on the heels of him providing bread for 20,000 people. Just for him miraculously showing them physical bread, feeding them, and them being satisfied. It comes just on the heels of that. And it's really interesting what Jesus says to them. Truly, truly, I say to you, so this is a, a day or a few days later, these same, or many of the same, if not all of the same people that were in the crowd in our passage today are following Jesus. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, not because you want to be with me, not because you think I'm from God, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, because you got your stomach full and you want another handout. He says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures until eternal life, which the Son of Man, speaking of himself, which Jesus will give you. For on him God the Father has set the seal. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who welcomes, or he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus makes this, this connection back to, the, back to the Moses story in Exodus. He makes this connection between himself and manna. And he says, just as God sent manna down from heaven to provide for you, he's also sent me down from heaven from God to provide for you, to give you life, to give you sustenance, but eternal sustenance, spiritual life. And so just as the manna and in uh, the barley loaves, these loaves in our passage today, just as uh, they, first of all, they showed God's love. They showed God wants to provide and take care of his people. But ultimately, they point ahead to the ultimate bread. They point ahead to Jesus, who will spiritually and truly and eternally satisfy his people. So a lot of you are probably thinking, okay, I, I kind of get this connection between uh, you know, the manna and the bread in this miracle and how Jesus is even better than that. But, but how do we eat of this bread? That sounds really strange that we eat Jesus and his flesh and it, it just seems kind of strange. So let's, let's go back and look at a few parts of John 6 and he answers that question. How do we metaphorically, how do we eat of this bread of life that will bring and give us true satisfaction. Jesus said to, said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. So the answer, how do we eat of this bread? Is by coming to Jesus and believing. That's it. Coming to Jesus 
and believing that what he did on the cross for us will give us eternal satisfaction. So Jesus shows us his purpose and his mission through these miracles. And now this is the biggest, the most important part of our sermon today, the most important question to answer. So if there's only one thing you get today, let this be it. So if you're sleeping or checked out, come back just for a few minutes. So how does Jesus do this? How does he accomplish his mission? So we know what his mission is. His mission is to come here to give himself as a spiritual food that will give people eternal life, eternal sustenance, eternal satisfaction. But how does Jesus do this? How does Jesus do this? He does this in two ways. First, he does this, like we said, because of the cross and his resurrection through the power of God. And so because of what he did on the cross, dying for our sins in our place so that we can be reconciled to our God, and then defeating death, defeating our enemies of death and sin and Satan when he raised from the dead. Because of that, Jesus is and can be the bread of life. So that's the first way that he accomplishes his mission. His mission was always the cross. It wasn't, it wasn't plan B. His mission always was the cross. And everything he's doing up until the cross is pointing ahead to what he's going to do. His mission was that we would have this eternal satisfaction. The second way that Jesus does this is the same way as we saw in his miracles today. Jesus accomplishes his mission by using both his body as well as his disciples. And later in the New Testament, Jesus actually calls his disciples the church. He calls them the body of Christ. So when he physically leaves earth and goes back into heaven to be with God the Father. He says, I'm going to send my spirit to fill my people and you will be called the body of Christ. So right now, if you're a Christian today, you are a part of the body of Christ. So just as we saw in our miracles early today, God does choose to use his body and his disciples. So in today's passage, uh, he, Jesus did do, obviously it was his power that was doing the miracles, but he also chose to use his disciples back in today's passage. But Jesus said, they need not go away, speaking to the disciples. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Then Jesus broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they ate, and they all ate, and were satisfied. So obviously the power is coming through, through God, from God, but he chooses to use his disciples. So again, so how does Jesus accomplish his mission? So after Jesus defeats our enemy, defeats the grave and is resurrected, he comes back before he ascends into heaven. He, he talks to Peter and us in extension and tells us how he'll accomplish his mission, how he'll spread this good news of what he did on the cross for us. We read in John 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him again, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to Peter a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? 
And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So Peter was the leader of the disciples and then the leader of the early church. And so this, this feed my sheep commandment from Jesus is especially practical to you if you're a leader. Especially practical to you if you're an elder, if you're a deacon, if you're a community group leader. Jesus said, if we love him, we will feed his sheep. And even if you're not a formal leader, even if you, you teach in the children's ministry, if you have your own kids, if you talk to your neighbors or your coworkers sometime, or your spouse or your friends, or your classmates. Jesus still calls you to feed his sheep. He tells us, he tells his followers, he tells his body, if you love me, if you love me, then you will feed my sheep. A great practical way for for many of us to do that, besides in our homes, like I just said, is through our children's ministry. By God's grace, he has given us, and you don't see it now because they're all downstairs, but he has given us well over 100 kids. It's a great blessing. And so downstairs, we have every Sunday well over 100 kids being fed, learning about Jesus, learning about who he is, learning about what he did on their behalf. And so I want, you know, I want uh, us to prayerfully consider if that's, that's something that God's calling us to do. And for some of us who don't think we're great teachers or who think that maybe, you know, we're not too great with kids, you don't do it by yourself. And there are leaders for for each age group that plan really great lessons. And so it's not much prep, but it's so important. It's so important. And we don't see, at Hiawatha Church, we don't see our kids as a burden. We don't see them as as something that's taking resources and people away from gathering up here. But we see them as a blessing. We see see them as a mission field too. Many of them are, are too young to believe right now. So many of them are still unbelievers. What a great blessing it is to have dozens and dozens and dozens of non-believers come to our church every single week and hear the gospel. And so seriously consider and pray about if God's calling you to, to help out in our children's ministry. And even if that's not for you, Jesus tells us that if we love him, we will feed his sheep. So whoever God puts in your life, share the good news. Share that Jesus came to give us eternal satisfaction, eternal life through what he did for us on the cross. All right, in closing, our, our, our application for today. First thing is, first point is it's not about you. And we live in a very self-saturated culture that feeds our own selfishness and our own self-centeredness. And we want the Bible, we want this to be about us. We want when we open it up, it to be about Spencer. But the point is that it's not. And often we open this up, we really want an application. And I know for me, my big temptation, especially early on when I came to Hiawatha the Church, was I didn't like, and you know, in hindsight this is very sinful, so don't copy this, but I didn't like how the gospel was preached every single week. And when we got to the application, it was always something like, believe the gospel, trust in Jesus, thank God for what he's done. I wanted, I wanted a more... Uh, more imperative. I want more commands. I wanted more do's. I wanted more application that said, Spencer, this is how you love Jesus. This is how you be a good Christian. And I realized, looking back, looking at my heart, the reason that I wanted so many applications is because I wanted to work really hard to make God 
pleased with me. That's why I wanted those applications. I wanted to know that I needed to pray harder, to share my faith more, to be more generous, to be more kind, because I could do that. I could measure that. And I realized in my heart the reason I wanted all those applications was so that I could earn God's pleasure. And in essence, so I could earn my salvation. So I didn't have to say, God, you did it all. I did nothing. Thank you for that. But rather, you did the cross, God, and, and I did X, Y, and Z, all the things that, that good Christians are supposed to do. So be careful that when you're reading Scripture, you don't put yourself as, as the protagonist, as, as the main character. There is application all the time in the Bible. But remember when you're reading it that it's not about you. Today, the main point, there is application for us, but the main point in today's passage is to look at Jesus and to see who he is and to see what he came to do. Look at his divinity, his character, and most importantly, his mission. Number two, even, even sometimes when we are given an application, it is very often something for us to just receive or for something for us to just believe. Like in today's passage, we saw the people coming to Jesus and believing, and then just sitting in the grass, eating, receiving, and being satisfied and being satisfied. So that's one of our big applications for us today. Come to Jesus. Believe he is who he said he is. Believe in what he did for us on the cross, that he will give you true and ultimate satisfaction. And then just sit in the grass. Sit by him. Receive what he's giving you. Eat it and be satisfied. And be encouraged, too, that in our story today, that Jesus healed these people and gave them food and gave them a miracle despite their lack of faith, despite them not having perfect understanding. And so if you today, there's so many questions you have about this book, or you don't quite get everything that Jesus came to do, or you still have some doubts or some concerns or some questions or not a complete understanding of the gospel, be encouraged that Jesus still fed these people, still healed them despite that. So you can still come to Jesus. He can still satisfy you without you having all your questions answered. Just believe he is who he said he is. Believe that he is the bread of, bread of life. And finally, number three, and this has to come after number two. We can't start with number three. But after number two has happened, after we've come to Jesus and believed and received and are satisfied, after that has happened, then our response to that is to feed the sheep. So whether you're an elder, whether you're a community group leader, a Sunday school teacher, a parent, a friend, a classmate, a coworker, all Christians are called to feed Jesus' sheep. All Christians are called to share the gospel. We're going to end with Romans 10. How then will they call on him? So non-believers, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God that did not just leave us alone in the wilderness, but that you chose to come here, to condescend yourself, 
to become a servant, to die in our place, to become food that will satisfy us eternally. We thank you that we don't have to do anything except come to you and just believe and receive. And we thank you that you don't have to. You could show up in dreams or in the sky, but you chose and you choose to come to us and use us. Use your body here on earth. Use your disciples to feed your sheep. Let us be excited about that great blessing and calling that you've given us. Holy Spirit, right now, speak to our hearts this morning with specific people or specific areas in which we are being called by you right now to feed your sheep. And we thank you that it, this is not all about us, but it's about you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Really cool part about today's passage we didn't even get to is that it also mirrors the Lord's Supper. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, just like this bread here, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is called the Lord's Supper or communion. And so what we're going to do is we're going to remember what Jesus did on the cross for, for us. And just as uh, this, this is another thing, this is another wrapping paper thing that reminds us of what Jesus did on our behalf. Taking communion, taking the Lord's Supper doesn't save you, but it's a way that we can remember what he did on our behalf. So at Hiawatha, we practice something called open communion, which just means you don't have to be a member at our church or a member of any church. All that you have to be is, is a true believer, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And if today, maybe you came and you weren't a believer, you're just checking out Christianity, you're wondering who Jesus is, today you can, you can know. You saw today in, in this passage who Jesus is. And you can come to him and take of him as the bread of life and be fully satisfied for, for eternity. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe. You have to come to Jesus and believe in him, believe in what he did on your, on your behalf. And so the way we practice communion here at Hiawatha is uh, in just a few minutes, the band will play some songs. Anytime during those songs, I believe there's four songs, you can come down the center aisle, break off a piece of bread, um, pour yourself a glass of, of either wine or grape juice up here, and then uh, take communion. You can take it back at your seats. You can take it up here in the front row. There'll also be a bunch of people up front. would love to pray for everyone here this morning. Even if uh, you don't have anything specifically to pray for, just come up and ask that person just for a general prayer, a general blessing over your life. We'd love to pray for everyone this morning. Um, so I'm going to pray and invite the band up, and then uh, anytime during that set, come forward and you can uh, receive the bread and the wine. Father God, we thank you again for what you did on the cross. We thank you that as we take the bread and the wine, we can remember that you are the bread of life, and that your what you did on the cross, your, your blood can fully satisfy us and keep us from having any thirst or any hunger anymore. We thank you for the cross and what you did on our behalf for us. 
In Jesus' name, amen.